Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. So I have been fascinated with the way the human mind works and the mind-body connection since I was a kid. I often wish that I had taken the psychology route instead of education. But of course, if I had done that, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now. Anyway, I had an incredible conversation with my friend and colleague, nervous system educator Krista Bevan in mid, probably about April of 2022, that has left me wanting to learn more and more and more about the nervous system and the mind-body connection. So much so that I took my yoga teacher training further and became a certified trauma-conscious yoga method practitioner over the summer. And I did it through an ADHD lens, again, fascinating. But honestly, no one can explain the nervous system and the mind-body connection better than my friend and colleague, Krista Bevan. So I've decided to rebroadcast this conversation so that you can get a better idea of what the mind-to-body connection is and how it all connects to ADHD. Now, during this rebroadcast episode of the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast, Krista Bevan and I talk about the parallels between ADHD and PTSD symptoms, the nervous system, and how to use the powerful pathway of the vagus nerve to regulate it. We talk about vagus nerve 101 and why it matters, how to tone your vagus nerve for better nervous system regulation, and ADHDers have, tend to have really big emotions. We also talk about the connection between nervous system, system dysregulation and poor vagal tone, and the amazing anatomy of the vagus nerve that supports a body-based approach to healing. Now, Krista Bevan is the founder of the Radical Mother Village for mothers dedicated to consciously breaking cycles of generational trauma. She's a certified TRE, Tension and Trauma Releasing Exercises provider, a nervous system educator, and she's passionate about sharing the power of frequency for holistic wellness. She is also the host of the Radical Mother Village podcast, and you will definitely want to check out the ADHD, PTSD, or both episode that Krista and I did together, where we discuss the intricacies of ADHD, PTSD, and where they intersect. So I will put the links to everything in the show notes. But before we dig in, I wanted to be sure that you've downloaded the free ADHD supports guide that I created for you. Honestly, it might be a good idea to have your guide handy each week while you listen to the podcast, because it's often so full of tips, tools, practices, and resources to support you on your ADHD journey. So if you haven't already, download the ADHD supports guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or you can find the link in the show notes. And be sure to follow it all the way to the end, to the last page, because I've included a one-time ADHD reset offer that can only be accessed through the guide. Enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Krista, and welcome back to the show. I am super excited. I mean, we could have so many conversations on 
this show because we're so much aligned. And I'm really excited to have you back here today and uh, to talk about the vagus nerve and the nervous system. Well, thank you, Tracy. I'm always, always excited to talk to you. I know. Oh, it's a mutual, it's a mutual thing. So yes. Krista, can you t tell us a little bit about your journey? Tell us about how you got to be doing the work that you're doing right now. Yeah. So the work that I'm doing now is that I'm a nervous system educator for cycle breaker moms. Mm. And as you know, and as you can imagine, I didn't come to this work on accident, right? So right. this was the work that I needed in my own life mm -hmm. um, to sort of help me do this thing that I knew I had been called to do. So I sort of knew deep in my bones that my mission on earth was to be a cycle breaker and to be uh, mothering my son in a conscious way that was different than how I was raised myself. Right. And that goal is wonderful, but having the tools to actually be able to do that is another thing. And this right. is where the nervous system education piece comes in, because this was the thing that was so fundamental and pivotal for me in my own journey, right? So I have a lot of childhood trauma that I have healed from. And in doing that, I I really came to this place where I had all of these aha moments around starting to embrace my nervous system and its mm. innate, beautiful, elegant wiring for what it was, rather than fighting against a lot of the symptoms that I had feeling betrayed by, by, by my body. So for me, right. it was um, overwhelming, incapacitating anxiety. Mm -hmm. It was at its worst near daily panic attacks. Mm. And these things were just holding me back from living the life that I wanted and also that I knew was possible. And once right. I started understanding the mechanisms at play and how to work with those things, I was able to take my stress responses, which felt like stumbling blocks, and turn them into superpowers. Oh, and that's what I help other mamas do now. And, right. and it's just, it's the best job in the world. Yeah, it's brilliant. And can you can you clarify what cycle breaker? I know what that means, yes. but can you clarify what cycle breaker? Because I didn't realize until I met you that that's what I'm doing as well, right? I'm yeah. breaking the cycle. So can, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so for me, it, it was breaking the cycle of the the traumas that I had endured as a child. And, and that, it doesn't have to be that though, right? It can be less... Um, sort of obvious in that it can it can be as simple as you don't want to parent your children the way that you were raised and that right. you want to break that cycle of parenting that you experienced and offer your children a different experience than the one that you had mm -hmm. okay. for a lot of us cycle breakers it's because we faced traumas at the hands of our parents ranging in all different directions and different um, levels around what that trauma looked like. Right. But we all, many of us have that in common that we sort of know we refuse to pass that down and that we don't want our children to have to carry our traumas and our wounds the way that we were asked to carry our parents. Right, right. I love that. That's a beautiful, beautiful description. And and I learned something from you and you're listening to your podcast um, that because I wanted to change everything, right? I wanted to do everything different. And I realized, and this is what I teach too, right? But sometimes it takes listening and hearing it from somebody else for it to really click. But that even if we can change just, you know, one degree 
one degree different, like one thing. It doesn't have to be all the things. Maybe that's maybe that's something that our children will take on something else, you know, something that wasn't working for them. But if we can just change one thing or one degree, we can send, we can change the legacy for our kids. We can break that cycle with one degree, kind of like when you're um, with, with a pilot, a pilot is heading in this direction. They have to, they change one degree and they're heading in a different, com completely different direction. So I love that. And thank you for that realization that, cause I was feeling, I, I had been feeling like, you know, like this great weight <laughs> of I've got to change everything. And I, I worked with a, um, or I interviewed a, an intuitive one time. And she told me that, um, that I was, I was carrying, I was doing the cycle breaking for six or seven generations. I was like, mm. man, that feels heavy, but all I have to do is just a little bit, a little bit. And so thank you for that. A little well, you're detour. very welcome. But, yeah. um, so Tell us today, we're going to be talking about, I mean, this is what your nervous system, system educator. And first of all, how about if you tell us, you know, most of us moms with ADHD understand what the nervous system is, but can you tell us about the nervous system? And then we can kind of segue into, into the vagus nerve, which is what we're really, which was what I'm really super excited to talk about today. Yeah, so your nervous system really broadly and basically put is your brain and your spinal cord and all of the nerves that are connected to that and the information that gets passed back and forth between your brain and your body. And, and when we get into the vagus nerve, we're going to talk about what that looks like um, more specifically with that nerve in particular, because the vagus nerve has some has some really fun anatomy to it. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, it's controlling all of our baseline operations and functions in our body. And one of its primary jobs is, and this sounds so basic and obvious, but I think that we oftentimes forget this, is that our nervous system's job is to keep us alive. Mm, right. And the reason that I say that, and, and the thing to keep in mind about that is that in that goal, it can be very myopic. It can be very singularly focused on the moment and make choices and decisions and direct us to behave in a way that maybe doesn't serve us in the long term, mm -hmm. but is super focused on survival in that moment. And survival is not something that is always rational on a conscious level, um, but it's something that our body is responding to as a perception of threat, right? And so right. when I say that, the, the, the key player in all of this response and communication about safety and doing the nervous system's number one job of keeping us alive is the vagus nerve. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that. And, and this is kind of, this is a, a little side note, but you and I are going to have a conversation at some point about the similarities between PTSD mm -hmm. and ADHD, right? People with ADHD, they often do have trauma based on, and trauma is, you know, it doesn't have to be physical. It, there are lots of different kinds of trauma, but because we are neuro, we have neurodiverse, uh, diverse brains, right? Living in a neurotypical world. And we're trying to, we're trying to conform and live in that world when our brains don't work that way. Um, well, we're going to have, a, I can't wait to have this conversation, but the reason that, um, Krista and I were just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, when we're talking about the nervous system is that there are, um, is that we have to, as moms with ADHD, we have to tend to our nervous system as well, because it 
gets triggered really quickly. And it sometimes we have a hard time turning it off and it's because of our wiring. But Krista in her nervous system as a nervous system educator can teach us tools to keep the nervous system in check. Okay, so now that I've, I've kind of, I meant to say that in the beginning, but tell us about the vagus nerve and tell us about all the ins and outs and why it matters. Okay. So the vagus nerve, and, and you may have heard that term, right? It's become a little bit catchy, a little bit of a buzzword um, in the last few years, but not everybody knows what it is and what it does. Right. So it's a cranial nerve, which just okay. means that it's directly connected to our brain. So it comes out of the brain um, and goes directly to the body and it mm -hmm. goes to a large majority of the body. So it innervates or provides nerve function and communication. That's what innervate means mm -hmm. to a large, a large part of the body. So it includes um, the muscles of the face and the eyes. It includes things like the ears and hearing. It includes, um, it comes down on either side of your throat here. Um, and innervates the pharynx and larynx. So it controls your um, voice and how your voice sounds. And then also on the opposite end for the people listening to your voice, how your ears perceive the sound that they hear. Mm. It comes down in branches. It innervates the lungs and the heart, the diaphragm. So these are things critical for breath control, also heart rate. We're going to talk about heart rate variability some more. Wow. It comes down and innervates all of the major digestive organs, so the liver, the intestines, the stomach, the pancreas. It's sending signals and also receiving information from those organs and sending it back to the brain to make decisions. Mm -hmm. If you've heard of um, the second brain or having, um, uh, now I'm totally blanking on the term here, but um, having a gut feeling, right. right? You actually have neurons which are brain cells in your gut tissue. Mm. And those communicate with the brain via the vagus nerve. Wow. Right. So when you have a gut feeling and you know something that you maybe don't have a fact to back it up with, but you mm -hmm. have this knowing, it's coming from these neurons that are sensing things in your environment and relaying information. Um, right. It's it's absolutely fascinating, right? And so one of the things that's really interesting about the anatomy of the vagus nerve is that think about the nerve fibers as running in two different directions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have the fibers that go from the brain to the body, and these are efferent nerve fibers. So they exit the brain and these are only about 20% of the nerve fibers run in this direction. Okay. The other oh. 80. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, keep listening because it's going to be even more wow in just a second. So that means that 80% of the nerve fibers are afferent, meaning they arrive in the brain from the body. That's okay, so what is, crazy. Isn't that crazy? So what yeah. does that mean? It means that your perceptions of safety, which is a large part of what the vagus nerve does, is based on your bodily perceptions. Wow. Okay. And that your body is actually directing more of the communication to your brain. And then your brain is responding to that information rather than the other way around. Wow. So we often think of our brain as being the command center and controlling and dictating our behavior and what we do and how we respond. Mm -hmm. And there is some truth in that, right? But 
the reality is, is that our body is actually providing a lot of information and sensing information even before our brain does. Wow. So our brain is just acting as this sort of, um, uh, what's the word I want to use for it? It's, it's sort of commanding all of those signals and Mm -hmm. making them make sense, but it isn't necessarily detecting them. Okay. So the vagus nerve innervating all of these different parts of our body is on this detection, um, path. Right. Right. And the other reason that that's so important is because things like anxiety and depression and other mental health struggles that we, we can name, we tend to think of those as being something wrong with our brain. Mm. Some way or another, our brain isn't working. It's misfiring. It doesn't have the right chemical balance. There's something about the brain that's, that's not right, which is producing these symptoms of anxiety or depression or other mental illness. And that seems logical because we sort of experience them and we label them as mental health. Right. What's true, though, is that those things are often because of issues going on elsewhere in our body. Wow. And what that also means is that if we want to alleviate the symptoms that we're having, we can get more powerful results when we work with the body to produce change rather than trying to treat the brain. Okay. So so let me give you an example. So anyone that has ever gone to talk therapy, and let me just preface this by saying, I love talk therapy. I have a talk therapist. Talk therapy has saved my life. I'm not knocking talk therapy. Right. But I've also gone to talk therapy and gotten to the point where I've said, I'm not feeling better. I'm going to, yeah. I'm running out of things to talk about. I don't right. know what else to say. And I'm still having these symptoms. What gives, what is wrong with me that it's not working? Oh, what is wrong with me? And that's, that's right? uh, heartbreaking. What's wrong with me? I and mean, I think how many so times? Many of us, <laughs> yeah. So many of us experience that and think that, think that we must be broken because the thing that we're told is supposed to help doesn't end up helping. Right. But the reality is, is that if you've tried talk therapy and you've sort of hit that wall where it isn't feeling as effective anymore, mm-hmm. try moving your body, mm. try working with the body. And what that's going to do is work with your physiology to produce a sense of safety in the body, which is what the vagus nerve is looking for, mm-hmm. to direct the brain that you don't need to be anxious, you don't need to feel depressed, you can stay in the moment. You don't have to be sort of overwhelmed and frantic. You don't have to be shut down and frozen and overwhelmed. You can be in this place of regulation and sort of happy balance point. Right. And you can achieve those results by working with the body to tone the vagus nerve and calm the brain down. Wow. Wow. So if you've ever heard of the mind-body connection, which is thankfully like it's 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 out there, right? The research yes. is there finally, you know. Um, but this helps to make even more sense. Like we know it, right? But this helps to make even more sense of that mind-body connection. And you know, as you're as you were talking about the um, the uh, the um, the vagus nerve going down into the gut that the gut feeling, but also how we tend to feel things in our gut, like, um, you know, a common thing for kids, you know, when, when some, when they're nervous about something or, and us too, is to get a stomach ache or having, having pains or issues or, you know, like all kinds of things. So this really understanding 
the connection because we know but sometimes we feel like you know like the the mind is way up here and the body is down here and we're not connected but we are and by this nerve so now i can actually i can actually i'm a visual person so i can actually um um envision this vagus nerve that's going from my brain to my body and it's 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 a connection so thank you for helping to make that connection <laughs> you know yeah that's that's fantastic okay so what can we do? You said that that um, that we can we can movement. Like, what kind of movement? And and how do we um, how do we how do we use this knowledge um, to you know how do we use the vagus nerve to to help ourselves and support ourselves when we when we're feeling that? So, and I'm thinking about the you know for me, I am um, I am a very I feel things. Right. I feel things in my body. It's it's a knowing. And I can't, you know, I've been known to, you know, to I there was a period of time where I just had this feeling in my body when, you know, a friend, it's intuition, but it's also it's it's a feeling. I'm feeling it in my body, right? Mm -hmm. If a, if a friend's pregnant or if something's wrong or you walk into a room and you feel something in your body. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, about the movement and what kind of movement and what are we what are, what's what's the goal? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, I just want to go back to something that you just said for a moment because I've never thought about it like this. But but something about the way that you were speaking of it, so we almost need to rebrand it as the body mind connection, right? Because right, it's not right. The, mind. the body mind. I like that. Because for the most part, the mind is just responding to the body. It's mm. it's it's taking its clues and its signal from the body rather than the other way around, right? right. And that's that's what this anatomy of the vagus nerve is is pointing to, and and also what our lived experiences, like you're saying, with these gut feelings. Another one is butterflies in your stomach, mm -hmm. um, having a knot in your stomach. Those are very real, right. excuse me, very real perceptions of your external or internal environment being safe or not right right and so the thing that we can do knowing this and knowing that our body responds to things in a particular way is we can work with that so we can do what's called toning our vagus nerve so just mm -hmm. just like a muscle can be toned to be strengthened by working it out so going to the gym and lifting heavy things that you have to put some effort into to get up, right? You keep doing that. You keep lifting heavy dumbbells. You're going to get bigger arm muscles right. and bigger arm muscles are stronger. Mm -hmm. They're more resilient. They're able to handle more before they become fatigued, et cetera. Right. Mm, right. And the same is true for our vagus nerve. And so the ways that we can do that, there's several different ways, but um, some of them include cold therapy exposure, so oh. if you've ever heard of Wim Hof, I have the Wim, yes. the Wim Hof breathing and the Wim Hof ice baths or just mm -hmm. ice baths in general, cold showers, um, splashing your face with cold water. Mm -hmm. I actually watched a great video from um, a person who's all about uh, lymphatics in the body. And he was saying, and the vagus nerve and, and physiology, and um, he gave a great tip for um, doing cold exposure, but just with your tongue. So you would fill up. Oh a glass with ice water all the way up to the brim and then you would stick your tongue in and out for as long as you could um, huh. as a way to okay. do like a mini ice bath for yourself, which right. I thought was brilliant, right? And it's using the fact that your tongue is innervated by the vagus nerve and it's mm -hmm. this direct connection. Wow, so cold exposure. I know I have to try that one. I just saw it the other day, but yeah, it comes, I know it comes, me too. 
and easier to do, right? We can't all just go and and uh, you know where where is where is he again? Is he in Alaska or? He's not. I believe he's from uh, Amsterdam. What Amsterdam. country is that? Okay. Yeah, he's in in the Netherlands. Netherlands. Thank you. Yeah. I I was drawing a total blank there. I believe he's from the Netherlands. I, I okay. don't know where he is now, but. Yeah, because we can't all do that, right? We can't right. all we can't all in the middle of the day. We can't we can't necessarily go and take a cold shower, but we can get a glass of cold water or ice water and to, yeah. So thank you. I, I love yeah. the the simple things that we can do, like you know, in our daily lives. <laughs> yeah. Well, and let's face it, as moms, we need things that we can fit in in three minutes in the in between times, right? right. So right. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to try that. It does come from a trusted source, so I'm I'm sure that that one is is going to be effective. Um, so cold exposure is a great one. Um, another one is laughter. Oh, I love so that like one. Deep belly laughter, where mm -hmm. your diaphragm is really involved, right? right? So this diaphragmatic movement is toning the vagus nerve because again, okay. the vagus nerve is controlling and innervating that large muscle in our abdomen. Mm -hmm. So laughter, good deep seated belly laughter is a great right. way to tone the vagus nerve. Another way is breath work. Breath work, right? so yeah, the, definitely. The vagus nerve is definitely involved with the lungs and our breath rate mm -hmm. and respiration. So when we take a breath and intentionally have a long exhale, what that's doing is it's switching our body into a parasympathetic nervous system state. Mm -hmm. So. Um, it's actually more complicated than this, but you can think of that one as the rest and digest state where you feel calm and comfortable and relaxed. Right. And you can do that through long exhales. But then there's other types of breath work that are done intentionally to vibrate and physically manipulate the vagus nerve as it comes down through the pharynx and larynx here. Mm -hmm. um, there's one I teach to students. You, uh, Tracy, you might actually know it from yoga. It's called Brahmari breath. Uh-huh. And it's got a loud um, humming noise. It's a right. mm, mm -hmm. sort of noise, <clears throat> excuse me. And that is physically manipulating the vagus nerve Okay. to help tone it. Right. Um, and then it's also mixing that with long exhales. So this, this is another thing that helps, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then another one, like you were saying, and like I mentioned earlier, is movement. movement okay. Right. So this explains why you feel better after you work out, mm -hmm. after you exercise, after you go for a run, or if you're like me and you don't like running, you go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. I think we've talked um, about that before too, about <laughs> the running. Yeah, no. it's not my favorite. Um, yeah. But there's truth behind why this works. Mm -hmm. And so it's discharging stress hormones that have accumulated in your body. But over time, it's also toning your vagus nerve so that it becomes more resilient to stress in the mm. first place. Okay. Okay. Intent, I like to think that any movement is going to do that, though I do think that the power of intentional movement yeah. adds an additional layer mm -hmm. of effectiveness, right? Because there is a body-mind-mind-body connection right. that that intentionality that we use our mind to create through our movement. So practices like Tai Chi or yoga. Mm, right or Pilates, these sorts of things where you're moving in rhythm with your breath, you're moving while being very embodied and very conscious of your movements, right. are really gonna go a long way to helping. And then the last thing is that 
we can also tone our vagus nerve and regulate our nervous systems through social connection. Mm. So things like humming or singing or reciting mantra with other people or even oh, by ourselves. Beautiful. But if, if we do it in connection with other people, it tends mm -hmm. to have this like um, exponential effect. Right. Right. Because we're co-regulating, we're, we're seeing other people, we're matching their nervous system states. It's why singing in choirs is so calming and relieving. It's why chanting mantra in group settings at the end of yoga class is kirtan. so powerful. Yeah. yeah, kirtan, you know, exactly. Those kinds of things are going to be super toning to the vagus nerve. Okay. So can you tell us, okay, so that was number, that was number five. Is that, is that the, the last of the toning? Cause I have a question after you've. Yeah. So those that. are the, okay. those are the big players when it comes okay. to toning. Yeah. Those are the big players. And when you're talking about toning, what exactly are you? And you, you know, you likened it to working a muscle, but why would we want to tone the vagus nerve? Like what, 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 what are we doing when we're doing these things? And I, I like all of these things, I completely relate to laughing and that's something we can do with our kids. Right. Yes. And that's something we can do. Um, um, in my, um, in my live, when I was doing the live events, um, uh, that was one of the things that, you know, the, 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 uh, participants would take a break and then they come back and then we'd go into this, this laughing, um, this laughing practice that, you know, like a forced laughter, but there, but then eventually you find yourself laughing, like after actually laughing, because everybody's making these ridiculous sounds and it feels so amazing mm -hmm. but all of these all of these things i, I completely and it's not just uh, body mind it's body mind soul right when you are when you're doing these things when you are I, and and i'm i'm just kind of making this up as i go along but when you are when you are creating that um that energy in your body and it's joyous right it's expansive and when you're feeling expansive that's when you're the most connected you know to add the the soul part to it that's when you're most connected to your higher self and to you know all that is yeah, because you're in a flow state. Right. 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 So and, and we can talk about the different we can kind of get into the polyvagal theory a little bit and talk about the different nervous system uh, response states if, mm -hmm. if you want. But but that sort of safe and social place that you're in, which we would call a ventral vagal state. Mm, OK where you are sort of receptive and open, or as I like to think of it in this flow state is yeah. where you are supremely connected to your soul, right? right? There's right, nothing right. inhibiting that connection. And it allows for this pure, this pure space where you can tap into that and receive right. that wisdom and information from it. So yeah, mm. you're absolutely correct. Beautiful. Okay. So that's the toning that you're doing is your, you're making it so that the, yeah. Tell me more about what the, what the toning means. Yeah. So, so there's a couple things. One, I'm going to talk about the window of tolerance and then we can get into heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. So our window of tolerance is this term that essentially means the place that we can exist in where we can respond to stressful events without dysregulating our systems. Mm. Okay. So it doesn't mean that we're not responding to them, but it means that we can sort of handle them with a little bit more ease and a little bit more grace. Okay things that fall outside of our window of tolerance and keep us locked outside of our window of tolerance are things like anxiety and mm. hypervigilance, right? That's okay. sort of, if you think of a window of tolerance as being, um, as having a top 
that's too much and then a right. bottom and things below that that are too low. Anxiety would be over that, right? So this is where okay. you're yelling at your kids. Mm -hmm. This is where you're frantic all the time. This is where you feel constantly overwhelmed. You're outside mm -hmm. of your window of tolerance in this hypervigilant space. Okay. And then opposite of that is you can be in a um, hypo tolerance. You can be in a state of hypo arousal where you're below your window of tolerance. This is where we think of things like lethargy and depression, lack of motivation, difficulty concentrating, difficulty engaging, trouble participating, where you sort of feel like you're going through the motions of life, but you're not really participating. You're not really there. Right. That's where you're falling below your window of tolerance. Okay. Now it's normal for us as humans to dip above and to dip below. But right. we want to be able to come back to our window of tolerance with relative ease. Right. When we have things like trauma in our life, what that can do is it can narrow our window of tolerance. Mm, and when okay. that happens, it means that the same event. So let's say your kid forgets their lunch at home and you have to bring it to them at school. That's a fairly benign event, right? It might be right. inconvenient, but it's not really a threat. Nobody's life is in danger. It's annoying maybe, but it, it shouldn't be something that you need to respond to with anger or depression or you know, it shouldn't overwhelm you to the point that you shut down. Right. And if you have a nice, normal, healthy window of tolerance, it shouldn't, it's not going to do those things. Yeah. But if you have a really narrow window of tolerance, that one little event that shouldn't be a big deal can send you into a spiral. It can right, wreck the right. rest of your day. It can cause you to be unrationally upset or angry at your child. Why can't they remember? Like, I've told them how many times I had to talk to them about this or make it so that you just, you freeze and the rest of your day is sort of shot stuck in that moment. Right. right? Is this making right. sense? Absolutely. I've been in mm -hmm. both of those. <laughs> so have I. Yes. Yeah. And so what we want to do is be able to expand that window of tolerance. Mm. And really what comes with that is this resilience in the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. These, this ability to bend without breaking. Because one of the things that I like to say is that- Bend without breaking, Krista. Uh, yeah, that is beautiful. Okay. Isn't that the, isn't that the goal? Bend um, without breaking. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, because one of the things I like to say is that stress is inevitable, I can't take stress out of my life. I can't take it out of your life. I can't take it out of anyone's life. Right. But how we respond to it doesn't have to be inevitable. We yeah. can change how we respond to it. And that I can help with. I can give you tools to be able to help expand your window of tolerance, to increase this resilience, to give you that extra flexibility and bendability so that you aren't breaking under the weight of these very normal, very common occurrences of things coming up and happening. Right. 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 So that's it on sort of a more um, metaphorical level, right? I guess mm -hmm. I'll say the window of tolerance. Then we have a physiological uh, explanation for this as well, which is our heart rate variability. Okay. So this is another, or HR, you sometimes see it as HRV. Mm -hmm. And this is another thing that's been um, sort of a buzzword, sort of trendy topic in the last several years. And essentially what it's referring to is that um, it's the difference between the spike in your heartbeat and then the dip in your heartbeat mm, okay. and how quickly you're able to, or not how quickly, excuse me, how much that varies and has variability when you do certain tasks. Okay. So imagine on like a little EEG thing, the little heart 
ticker thing that has the ink that does the graph. I'm not explaining oh. this well, but I think we all know yeah, what I'm talking the EKG, about, right? The right? thing, EKG, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little heartbeat graph. Right. So you can imagine that if you're, you and I were just sitting here, we're talking, we would have a pretty steady, you know, medium range rhythm. Right. If we were to get up and run around the block and then come back and sit down, we should see a big spike, right? Our heart should have to kick up to get us to get up and move and run around. Right. And then it should come back to baseline. Mm-hmm. Or if we're sleeping and we checked it, it would dip a little bit lower because our heart is sort of at resting. Right. Right. And we want to see that. We want to see variability between activities. And that's actually an indicator of having a good mm-hmm. level of resilience. Right. And what we find and, and a good um, vagal tone, that's there's a direct correlation between a nice heart rate variability and good vagal tone. Okay. And on the flip side of that is that we also have a correlation between low vagal tone and poor heart rate variability, Mm. which means we don't see as much um, variation and as much discrepancy in your heart rate and rhythm between activities that you do that should otherwise be causing that to move around. Oh, wow. Okay. And the reason for that is that, and why it's connected to low vagal tone is that your vagus nerve, which again, innervates the heart muscle, is controlling how quickly and how effectively and the way in which your heart beats and responds. Mm -hmm. And if your vagal tone is low and it's not very good at its job, it's going to have difficulty telling the heart and responding to the heart and having the heart respond to it in a way that creates this variability. Wow. Okay. And the thing that's important about all of this is that low heart rate variability has been linked to all kinds of chronic diseases. I was just going to say, yeah. So it's not just the window of tolerance we want to look at, but it's also the, 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 uh, our health, right? Right. It has physiological health implications as well. It's not just our mental health here. It's our physical health is greatly impacted Mm -hmm. by these things, right? So, so we don't want a low heart rate variability, we want to have a nice, strong, robust, healthy heart that can respond to things with the appropriate measures. And when we don't have that, it's an overall indicator of poor health. Wow. Okay. Okay. You can see how this like one thing starts to stitch all of this stuff together and is really connected and tied in with, with so many different parts of our life and really our quality of life sort of in general and, and at large. Right. You know, that your explanation of that window of tolerance and that 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 um, expanding the window and the, the anxiety and the depression, which is something that um, both of those things are um, not characteristics of ADHD, but they're they're um, they they're kind of like uh, hitchhikers. <laughs> ADHD, but that we can, you know, I mean, there are, there are lots of, you don't treat ADHD in one way, right? There are lots of ways and understanding this window of tolerance that we, um, you know, we all have anxiety, we all have depression, but we don't, it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be an overarching part of life. Like it doesn't have to be. And that there are tools and there are experts like you who can um, who can teach us how to work with our bodies, right? How to I, I and thank you for that because you you've made a whole lot of sense, um, and and 
again, I'm a visual person, so I'm, I'm imagining this window, right, with the anxiety on the top and the depression on the, or whatever, the, those, you know, the symptoms of the, that are similar to anxiety and that are similar to depression, but making that window a little bit bigger so that I can, like, move about life, right? Because if we're squished, if we've got, if we're top heavy or bottom heavy, we're, um, we're not in good health, we're not, we're not connected, right? Yeah. yeah, so if you wanna flesh out the metaphor even more with a visual, you can mm -hmm. think of the window of tolerance being like a river, okay? okay? And so you are living your life in your boat, you're paddling down the river, and sometimes the river's calm and that's great, and sometimes you hit a patch of rapids, and this happens to all of us, right? And we can't mm -hmm. control when the rapids are coming, right. but we have to navigate through them anyway. There's only forward, no backwards yeah. in this game. So you can think of the window of tolerance as being like the banks of the river. And okay. on one side, you have an active volcano that's erupting lava. This is the hot side. This is where the, the anger and the frustration and the anxiety and the, the quick reactivity, that's on that side. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you can think of it as being frozen with icebergs. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Right. So you're in your river, you're paddling down, or excuse me, you're in your canoe paddling down the river. And sometimes the river is narrow, which means if there's rapids, it's going to knock you to either side a lot more quickly and easily. You've got to more expertly stay in that lane to right. not hit the lava and not hit the iceberg. Mm, wow. Okay. Okay. Right. right. And also there's times when the river is wider mm -hmm. where you have more room to sort of get tossed around by those rapids without bumping into either side. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. And so what we can do for ourselves is I can't stop the rapids. This yeah. is the, I can't control the stress part, but right. what we can do is we can push the, the boundaries of the river open and push those borders aside a little bit so that we have more room to float down right. through those rapids, through those seasons of life that just seem to be where nothing stops and everything's coming at us all at once. Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had that happen to you, Tracy? Oh, never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I can speak for us collectively in the last two years that we've yeah. all experienced rapids in our life in some form or another, right? Right, absolutely. And and so expanding your window of tolerance is like this metaphorical river. It's making the boundaries that you have bigger mm -hmm. so that you have more room for those inevitable things to happen without them stranding your boat ashore. Oh, I love that. You know, I, the, that the visual that is really incredibly helpful for me and a lot of us visual visual learners. And just that's the way that the brain thinks, right? The brain doesn't think in words. The brain thinks right. we in think visuals, of pictures, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the be the more you practice something, the better you get. You were talking about the the uh, about um, about toning the vagus nerve, right? Like just like you would tone a muscle. And here's what I'm thinking too, is that when you experience those rapids, if you have been practicing, it's easier to pick it back up if it, if it falls to the wayside or if you get, and, and that is um, practice in all kinds of things that we do, right? And yes. our, in our mindfulness and meditation and, and yoga and, and, the, and the way that we eat, the way that we sleep, like the more we practice, the easier it is. Gratitude, for instance, like gratitude. When you are practicing gratitude regularly, 
when something happens, when you're in the rapids, it's easier to bring it in as a tool yes. rather than you being in the rapids and going, oh no, I remember Krista talking about the vagus nerve. What should I do now? <laughs> right? right. But the more that you're practicing it, the easier it is to, to say, oh yeah, Krista, or you know, whatever you're, you're practicing, it's easier to pull it in rather than going and searching for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but this is the power of a consistent and regular yoga practice. Right. Now here's the thing. And I know that you know this too, but we say yoga and yoga practice, and that actually can mean a lot of things, but here yeah. I'm very specifically meaning a physical practice on a sticky mat. Right. Right. And that practice there, because, and this is, this is how yoga works. This is the benefit of yoga and a physical practice is mm -hmm. that you're holding yourself in poses that are not necessarily easy. You're challenging yourself to go deeper into a pose, to have a pigeon pose. It's a little bit of a deeper hip opening to be able to stand a little bit uh, longer in tree pose without falling over, right? You're, you're getting right. up to your sort of personal edge and then you're working with yourself and, and mental fortitude and physical limits to be able to, to do a little bit more. Right. And right. in doing that, it's this metaphor of, how can I do that in life off the sticky mat? Absolutely. How, how yeah. can I practice these things where I'm being asked to be a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. and press up against my edges a little bit? And how can I continue to do that with grace and equanimity? And then in our lives, apply those same lessons so that when right. our kids are challenging us, when we have a challenging season of life, when the car breaks again, or there's a pandemic or whatever happens, we can meet that with, oh, I'm noticing that's my edge. How can I lean into that and breathe? How can I right. work with this and soften it, right? How can I, again, bend without breaking? And, and some of these practices that we do can really help translate into those real life practices mm -hmm. when we need them. Right, right. Yeah. That, and that's a beautiful, you know, well, we've talked about that, that, lots of times about the the practice and that in, and when you're on the yoga mat you know more more metaphors when you're on the yoga mat and you are moving to discomfort but not pain right yes but yes. it's a practice right yes. and, and if we are not practicing um toning the vagus nerve um that in doing these things and even the simple things like like you talked about um like the hmm, you know like the the humming and the the mantras and the singing and the, the things that we do socially the laughter like we don't have doesn't have to be hard and i didn't really i didn't really make that connection so thank you between the um the uh I mean, I know that's what we do, but you, you've helped today for me to make more connections in my mind between the things that we do in yoga and um, and uh, in our nervous system. Like I know them, but now I really understand. Mm -hmm. But the more that we're practicing those things and laughter, like if we, we need to practice laughing. Like yes. this is how we, this is a tool, you know, it's not just for our, it's for everything, for our kids to see us laughing, for you know, for joy, for connection and, and to tone the vagus nerve as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Krista, if there's one thing that our listeners could, could take right now and do, that would be just a, just a one step, what would you suggest? Yes. And I love this question. And this is the thing that I always offer. I just recommended this to a client. I had a client call right before this interview, and this is what I told her. This is what I'm going to tell you and your audience as well. Um, have a dance party. Dance party. Okay. 
Make it a part of your that. routine. Mm-hmm. I want you to make, uh, this is homework for everyone listening, is pull up Spotify or whatever thing you use to listen to music on your phone and make a playlist of five or 10 songs that like you can't help but get up and shake your butt to mm-hmm. and save it and download it and put it on your phone and start having a dance party every day. Get your kids involved. And what this is going to do, this is it's so magic. It's such a heavy hitting Vegas nerve medicine bomb, right? Oh, I love so that. So we've got, we've got physical movement because mm-hmm. you're dancing and moving your body around. We've got social connection because you're doing okay. it with your kids. We've got um, deep breathing because if you're really dancing, you should be breathing harder. Right. Right. Um, and we also have hopefully some laughter at the end of doing it because it oh, should beautiful. end up being something that's silly and fun. Right. 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 And so we're hitting. And then bonus, sing along to the songs. And then you've got the, you've got and the, you've right. Got, you've got them all. Right. But but this is how it can be simple, right? You don't have to overthink this. Let it be something that you can incorporate into your life and have it be a part of your daily routine. That's as simple as like taking your multivitamin in the morning. This is your Vegas multivitamin, right? Dance party and use it from those times. Like in my house, we call it the five o'clock fussies, right? Like Uh everybody's getting hangry. We're trying to get dinner. My son's underfoot. And it's like, at 4.45, if you know the five o'clock fussies are happening, before that happens, turn the music on. Right. Get people moving. Right. Have that be a little stress discharge, and it's going to go a really long way. Yeah, I love that, too, because when I think of nervous system, it feels heavy to me. Yeah, it right? doesn't have to be that. But yeah, that we can make it light and that we can make it fun and that we can do it in a way that our ki- we, we teach our kids how to do it as well, you know, exactly. even with teens, right? We were, um, my son, um, I picked my son up yesterday um, from school and um, Shaka Khan, tell me something good came on. And I cranked that sucker all the way up and I did my little in the car dance, which is I can <laughs> dance in the car, but in sang so that, you know, like my, my throat was vibrating and he yes. was just looking at me. I was like, this is what it's all about, babe. This yes. is it, right. And I 100%. know you want me to stop singing, stop dancing. People are looking, but you know what? This is what it's all about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah Krista, totally. this has been Amazing. Thank you for making sense of the vagus nerve that I keep hearing over and over and over again. Um, and um, nervous system, it doesn't have to be hard. That window of tolerance, that's brilliant at, if, for me to understand, right? I can see it. I can see it. And why we would want to practice that on a regular, on a regular basis. Yeah. So Krista, can you tell us about a time in motherhood when you either achieved something or overcame something that initially just felt impossible? Yeah. And you know, this one actually fits in with the nervous system regulation work that I've done and the vagal toning, which is that when my son was born, I didn't have a relationship to my father Mm. and I'm going to, I'm going to make things heavy here for a second, but, um, and I really, I didn't think that it was possible and I really struggled with, but now that I have this child, do I want to keep them from their grandfather because of my issues with him? And it was really weighing on me. And then through a lot of work and on myself, I was able to shift how I showed up in relationship to my father. So he's Mm. still the same person. Right. He hasn't really, you know, he's changed a little in his old age, but he's essentially who he was. 
And I've changed so that my ability to, again, sort of navigate through the waters with him changed. And in that, it meant that I was able to allow him back into my life and allow him to have a relationship with my son. And now they're like best buddies and it's the cutest thing ever. And it was so worth it. And I would not have been able to do that if it were not for the work that I've done. And it's, I mean, this stuff is powerful. It has the capacity to change lives. And I can attest to that. Yeah. And it does. Thank you for sharing that vulnerable story. And I have a similar story about my dad was not in my life. No way, no how. And now he's, you know, he lives 15 minutes from me. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. It's not easy, but we can heal those wounds. Right. And we can, we can, um, and now your son, my kids, they have memories of their grandfather. If I hadn't done the work, if you hadn't done the work, they would have, they, they would have, they would have missed out on whatever that relationship looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. But we can't control that, but they would have missed out on that. So thank you for sharing that. Krista, how can our listeners find you? Yeah. So my website is my name, kristabevan.com. I also have a very active Facebook group called the Radical. Yeah. The Radical Mother Village. So you can find that. Um, I have a podcast with that same name, the Radical Mother Village on all the podcast places. Um, and that's that's where you can find me. Okay. And tell us about this new course that I am signed up for. I'm super excited about it. I think it was a, the timing is going to be a little bit off, but tell us a little bit about this course that, you, um, that you've created because it's incredible and it's exactly what we've been talking about here today. Yeah. So I am offering a new series called Anchored. So this is a four-week series to start. If it does really well, then I may add classes to it in the future. But the Mm -hmm. idea is that um, we are going to be practicing together to create a felt sense of safety Mm. in the body using a lot of this vagus nerve toning um, through embodiment work and somatic practices. We're going to do mantra and yoga and breath work and all of these different things. Um, really applying them to different situations that we face as mothers. Mm -hmm. So times where our child is having a meltdown and a difficult time, time where we're in conflict with a partner or spouse, times where the world feels overwhelming and we don't know how to cope with things, right? We have sort of a different focus for each week, Um, but it's all about being able to anchor into your body and into safety and, and getting the vagus nerve to sort of give the message to your brain, I'm here, I'm safe, I'm okay, and I'm allowed to feel all right on planet earth. And so that's what the series is designed for. Um, The first session will have started by the time that this episode goes live, but the recordings are available um, and you'll get lifetime access to those. um, And you can certainly sign up um, even if you missed out on that first week. Perfect. And this is, this is a way that you'll be opening that window that you'll be widening that window. Beautiful. I'm super excited about this, Krista. Again, this has been an amazing conversation. Every time we talk, I learn something new and we have more conversations coming. So stay tuned. But Krista, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking taking the time and sharing your brilliance with our listeners today. Well, it's always a pleasure, Tracy. Thank you. All right. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. 
Now, one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one-stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. If you're nodding your head yes, then you'll want to check out the free ADHD supports guide. It's a super simple step-by-step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, Stay focused on what's important. Shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly. Make decisions more easily and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. Download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports or find the link in the show notes. I truly believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Goodbye for now.